Welcome back to all you uh, Slashers and Survivor girls. And I hope you guys had such a good new year. Holy shit, 2020. Holy shit. We did it. We did it. We survived. But welcome back to the Creep and Real Horrorcast. I am the good buddy Lunchbox. And I'm Meg. We're back at it. A whole nother year. We got so much more for you guys. And, uh. I'm excited. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, now that the presents have been unwrapped and the turkey's been eaten, it's time to move on. It's a new year. Oh Same podcast. Yep. Same. Go deal with a bunch of different shit, but you know what? Horror makes everything better. It does. And we're kicking off this month, our Winter Horrorland Month. It's going to get real cold around here with a trip to Barrow, Alaska for 30 days of night. Oh, yeah. My choice. But before we get into that, thank you again so, so, so much for joining us. Um, we know there's a million different horror podcasts out there you could listen to, and you're taking the time to listen to ours, which is the coolest. Yeah, I mean, we definitely uh, say listen to, listen to all, but listen to us first. Right. So hit that subscribe button, and we'll drop in your favorite podcatcher every Tuesday. Like, comment. Five-star reviews are appreciated. Join us on Slasher, Facebook, and Instagram at Creepin' It Real. R-E-E-L is a movie reel. And um, if you got any of that Christmas spending money left over, jump on creepinitreal.revival.com and get yourself some merch because we got a whole lot of it. Oh, yeah. So, 30 Days a Night, my pick. We haven't done a vampire movie in a little bit, have we? Um... Nothing that's been like super memorable right off the top of my head that I can't think of. It'll probably come to me like raw we're in the like in the middle of this whole thing. But right. yeah. But still I think uh like <laughs> it was like I was like, Oh, the last one that I feel that I can remember is, is Salem's lot, but I was like, No, we did Fright our, Night. That was our second one. I was like, Yeah, we did Fright Night and I think it's been since Fright Night, I think. Um if I'm remembering correctly. I could be misremembering, but whatever. Yeah. Anyway, we haven't done a vampire one in a while. Um, and it's only been a couple of months since we did a Josh Hartnett one. Yeah, I was like, I it totally like struck me. I, I think was, this was like, is oh the, my God. the like, third Josh Hartnett movie we've done in the last like two or three months. Well, it was the the faculty because we did the faculty, and then we did during our Halloween ranking. We H two O was in there, and now we're getting into his yeah. his kind of like. More leading man type role, getting into Thirty Days a Night, um, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and um, and by the way, on, on a side note, there, guys, um, you know, we are very happy that we were able to give you guys for uh, our, our New Year's episode to do our extra super duper long, full blown Halloween ranking. So again, it's like if you guys are just jumping in, this is your first time hearing us. Welcome. And then at the same time, go listen to that because we go through and we give our full bullet rankings on all of Halloween. So it's the full franchise shabam. We put a lot of work into it, so the least you can do is listen to it. God damn it. It's three hours. It's so much work. it's enjoyable. Like, I'm tired. (laughs) But, you know, but yeah, but still, but thank you guys. We wanted to do something special for our big New Year's, and I felt like that was a good one to go with. And we're going to keep doing it because I had fun. Yeah, we had a couple more in the pipeline. Um, I got the entire 
Shout Factory Friday the 13th box set for Christmas. So You're welcome. That might be coming next in the next month or two. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Which is going to be really fun, really silly. Well, I was looking at like our collection of, of movies, and I just realized, I was like, okay, well, we you know, finally got you know, the Friday the 13th. We have Nightmare. We have Child's Play. We have... Saw and I was like, we could really crank out some some franchise rankings. There's some serious content. Yeah, we've got. so yeah, for sure. I'm excited. But so yes, again, thank you. We love you. If you're new, welcome. Actually, that's a good. Idea. I was just thinking yeah. about that. I was like, maybe we can get to Saw before Spiral comes out. I have to look at the drop date. That would be fun. I think we can do that, like in conjunction with, hey, look, there's a new Saw movie coming. Yeah. <laughs> But back to 30 Days a Night. Back. So Josh Hartnett, like, it was funny that we saw him in... Yeah. And and I was like... like, And I've never even really been a particular fan of his, so it's extra weird. He he was always that guy for me that... He was just in the movies. Like, it was never like, oh, he was like my leading man, uh, you know, type status. Yeah. But in this one, I was just like... I really liked him in in this Evan rule and and it was just like but coming off of like from like Halloween and like seeing him as like teenager or even like in the faculty with that like thank fucking god they got his he did something they with did his something hair. with his hair because like in the faculty and 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 <laughs> H2O it was just like like what the hell are Get you that doing boy a dude comb. like come on even him it's like did he not say, hey, guys, shit's on my head? Like, what the hell? Like, none of that. It, he looked like he just woke up and it was just... To be fair, bleh. when he did the faculty in H2O, he was only like 19 years old. Did you give a shit about your hair when you were 19 years old? Yes. Oh. I did. You're weird. Yeah. Most guys don't. I know. I had that weird new metal haircut where it was like the McDonald's part in the middle. Yeah, you had the hair curtains. And then, yeah, I had the hair curtains and then I had the undershave. And, like, at one point it got, like, fairly long and I did, like, the jet black thing and my mom had to think about her life and what she did wrong. And and I had to tell her, like, no, it's okay. It's just a phase. And then I thought it was weird that I said that it was just a phase. And then I realized that it was just a phase and it wasn't that great of a phase. And I've seen pictures. <laughs> but then I was like, but I still kept all the music and the likings and, and all that good stuff. I just got rid of my Jinko jeans and I was like, it Bad was, haircut. It was just not, it wasn't for me. Like, I'm, my, my southernness was not, not going to take yeah, it. Yeah, it's weird. I was a teenager at the time and I remember there was a bunch of girls like in my high school and middle school that were all swoony about him and he was on the cover of tiger beat and stuff yeah and he's it, a good looking he man. was he was a teen idol i didn't get it he didn't do anything for me but 30 days a night dropped on october 19th 2007 it was made for a budget of about 30 million it grossed about 75 and a half million um so not bad more than doubled his budget it was written by steve niles Stuart Beatty, and brian nelson it was based on the graphic novel of the same name by steve niles and ben temple smith mm-hmm. it was directed by steve niles starred the aforementioned Josh Hartnett is Eben, Melissa George as Stella, Danny Houston as Marlo, Ben Foster as The Stranger, Mark Boone Jr. as Bo, and Manu Bennett as Billy. So, I guess let's let's start at the beginning. Yeah. 
So this one was an interesting one. I remember see, vaguely remember seeing it a million years ago after it came out. I think, yeah, because you and I were dating it. Just started dating at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think you had gotten it on DVD or whatever the following year or however long that was. But I remember catching bits of it. But I don't remember sitting and watching it the whole way through. So this is sort of the first, I can really call this the first watch for me. I've always been kind of aware of it. Um, But this was definitely a movie that I only had sort of a vague recollection about before we watched it the other night. Yeah, um, for me, I I am very aware well, yeah, because you're a big Ben Templesmith yeah, fan. Yeah, like I, I absolutely adore Ben Templesmith's work. His the the comics are just incredible. Like uh, I absolutely like I, I'm. We're sitting here recording, and I have the Thirty Days of Night graphic novel like sitting right next to me because I just want to look through it as we're talking about it. Um, but I, I absolutely love his artwork. It just speaks volumes to me and so when i heard that they were going to be doing a 30 days of night movie i i geeked out like i was like that's gonna be really fucking cool like i like i didn't know what they were if they were gonna change the story i had a, a moment where i kind of felt like they were gonna do like what they did with resident evil um where they really cocked it up yeah where they 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 took like bits and pieces of what everyone knows and loves and then like try to make their own story and to a degree they stayed pretty pretty on point with the the purpose of the story but then they took some of the you know little bits and are you talking about resident evil still no 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 30 days a night okay yeah no like resident evil if, if everyone should know yeah, 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 Almost they, has nothing to do with the video game. Not at all. I mean, it was just like, it, other than <laughs> they threw in a couple of the monsters. Yeah, other really than the virus and things like that. I mean, even like when they started, like they threw in like Nemesis and stuff like that. It's like everyone's like, no, just fucking give me Jill, like give me Leon. What the hell? Like none of that. Yeah, Claire and Leon. Yeah, and the, the, it's but with Thirty Days a Night though, it was a, they, it was a good way for them. Like they kind of stayed. To the point of what the story was about, they just took bits and pieces out that were kind of just empty calories or filler. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I I think they just streamlined it so there wasn't so much of the side story stuff going on. There was some side story stuff, but they added stuff in that was not a part of the book. Mm. Um, or, 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 you know, to a degree, I mean, like stuff like, uh, Bo or, you know, or, or like just, uh, I mean like some of the, like the characters are in there or like, I think there was a, a like Stella. Um, I don't think she's, if, if I remember correctly, like well, she's only mentioned Evan, by Eben. Well, at the beginning of the, I just looked, glanced yeah. at the book, but at the beginning of the book, she's there. She and Eben are having conversations. So she does exist. Yeah. But he's just, but, but she's not as. She's not as major a player. As major a player, like they really focus on, uh, on, um, um, was it uh, Marlo or the head vampire? Yeah, Marlo. Uh, Marlo, 
And I wanted to say Morlock, and I was like, that's not even not close. Even, uh, but yeah, no, but Marlowe, he, they kind of focus more on him and Evan and some, like, you know, with some of the characters, but they really, in the movie, they make it a big point to to showcase Stella and Evan and that relationship. And it's like, it's more of like, what their relationship is is or what they're dealing with on that relationship level on top of this entire town that's being just overrun right um and so that that I felt was weird because like or not weird but it was different um because in the comic what i remember is eben is He's more of just like that salty old dog. Like here, he kind of has that vibe to him, where it's just I'm not gonna take shit from anybody. Almost like a Clint Eastwood kind of a uh, vibe, and with uh, Josh Hartnett's uh, character, where the way that he played him was more of a I am I'm the you know the Andy Griffith of the of the, of the town. Like I am. I'm the guy that's I'm I'm here to obey the law and I'm here to take care of my, my you know of, of my community and you know he's the guy that everyone goes to everyone respects everyone so it's just and again it's small town so everyone knows him um I mean like there's there's the whole uh scene that's really great with with Bo Bo is this guy that just lives out on the outskirts in Alaska, he lives by himself. He just comes into town from time time to time just to get supplies or whatever. And he's fixing his truck and or or his, his uh, trailer or whatever. Tractor. And, I think he came in on a tractor, didn't he? Oh, I th- I thought he was fixing his uh, like a, a trailer or something like that. And like, I oh, know it was. Anyways, he was fixing his truck because it, it broke down, and. Uh, you know, Evan goes uh, by and he's like, hey, like, you need help? And he's like, no, nah, I, I don't need no fucking help. And then, like, Evan walks behind him and he sees, like, all this oil dripping out of his, out, out of the back. And he's like, oh, I gotta find you for that. And he's like, what do you, he's like, you don't really, you really have to find me? It's like, this place is gonna be a ghost town in the next 30 days. Like, why are you gonna do this to me? So he finds him, and then he walks off, and uh, his partner, Billy, is like, why would you do that? And he's like, you know, he's not, he doesn't hurt anybody. He's just kind of, he's like, he's like, he lives out on the outskirts. Like, I'm, I'm here to, to make him a part of the community and, and, and r- remind him that he's, he's a part of us and things like that. And it's like. And issuing a citation do, to do it is such a cop thing to do. Yeah, and it's like, it, it, it's, it's a, I don't, I wouldn't say that it's an abusive power but it's one of those like I'm, I'm i'm here to try and keep everyone together and to make sure that he's aware that he's a part of this this community but it w- didn't seem like it was like oh i'm using like a like a i'm overusing my power he's like i'm trying to do something nice for him and it, it, it to a degree or something like that but that's the way that that he kind of came off to me was that he he didn't have a super mean streak about him as he did in the comic, and so that that was that was interesting to see um, going from like the book to movie. Yeah, um, the the movie kicks off with basically we we're as an audience we're plunked down right in the middle of 
um, them preparing to shut the town down. It's like the day before the final sundown for a month and everyone's kind of running around, packing up, leaving out, you know, most of the towns on their way out, they're heading south, um, to, I don't mean, I don't blame them. I, I had to live in nearly near dark or full dark for a month. I would be miserable. Yeah. Well, I mean, and like, it was funny cause, uh, Billy, like they were, uh, on their way out, uh, to go check on, um, there was a problem with someone's dogs and Billy, like they had to stop off at the, the sign, like, you know, for the township and on the sign, it's got all, you know, the population. And so Billy's like, he's like, or Evan's like, why do you do that? And he's like, it's tradition. And so it went from like 650 people to like a hundred people. And I was like, but so that's what he's doing. He's like, okay, well we're going to change it up for, for the month, and I was like, okay, well, that's that's kind of funny, but, um, and then they get to the dog shit, and I was just like, holy nuts! Where there were no dogs, just blood stains in the snow. Yeah, um, it's good times. But yeah, so they they open up, and it turns out that so this is just before the month of pure darkness, and just as we're getting this amazing shot, this movie is shot beautifully like it is a really good looking movie it feels desolate it feels empty and cold um you feel the isolation of where they are they're in the middle of nowhere alaska it it um just the the tone of the setting is enough to put you off a little bit from it one of the things i think this movie utilizes really well is the the chekhov's gun writing method where they set up literally every single detail in act one. Yep. And they, there is no detail wasted. It all pays off at the end from Evan having asthma to, um, the tour of the general store to, um, the compactor in, was it the waste management plant? Um, that, that it was a Carter's plant. Like, so, yeah. yeah. So there was a huge, we, we basically get the tour of all of the gags we're going to get in Act 3. Um, the only thing that drags with this is Act 2 is basically spent with them in an attic. Which yeah. is kind of tough. But oh, Act 1's like prep. Act 2 is survival. And Act 3 is the showdown with Marlowe and the other vampires. So it's very distinct... In the breakup, like the transitions are very obvious from to tell you where you are in a movie in terms of like the script. Yeah, and that was that was the thing was uh, it it held up for me, um, and I like that they did do that transition. Um, the thing that was kind of surprising was that so because they were just in an attic for the, a good you know, good chunk of, of like the time. 30 minutes. Well, no, I mean, that like, so it was, uh, it was like, I think they were up in that attic for about 15 days. They were there for two weeks. I'm saying yeah. it took up about 30 minutes of the movie. That's what I'm saying. But like, there was only times when they would like, they would cut to a different scene and it'd be like day 17. And it was just like, oh, holy shit. And that now your brain's going, they've just been up there. And on top of that, you almost kind of feel like, Man, that's kind of shitty 
you know, it's like shitty writing that they're just up there for 15 days. But if you really think about what's happening is that these vampires don't sleep. They're just running around this town with no filter. There's no sunlight. They don't have any worries. They're just going around hunting and they can smell blood. They can like, you're, you're fucked. And so the fact that they found this hidey hole to, to be up in that there's just no way for the vampires to really know that they're like, they could have stayed up there the entire month and been fine. Maybe send like one or two people out there for, you know, supplies or whatever. But it was just like, I can only imagine what the smell was like up there. Yeah. But I mean, but that's the thing is like in, in the case of survival, you probably could have just, you probably could have stayed up there for the whole month. Sit tight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it it would have really sucked because they were, I mean, they could have gone shifts and like, okay, well I got to get out of the attic or whatever. And like real quietly gone through, but it was like, they were really like, there was only like a couple of moments where they could hear the vampires running on top of the roofs, um, of that, their house that they were in. Um, and that was a really nerve wracking uh, moment, but at the same time, it was just like, they were fine. And then it, it, it became a thing where one guy was like, we just gotta, we gotta go. We can't stay here. And it's just like, where the fuck are we going to go? Like, and they're like, oh, we'll, we'll go to the, the compactor. Well, the, and it's like, the vampires did an amazing job of basically sabotaging whoever would be staying behind at the beginning of the movie when everyone's setting up and getting ready to go. Evan gets a call and he discovers a hole filled with burnt out um, satellite phones. And that's not weird or anything. And then when they get to the dog kennel, there's at the beginning, we see dogs, huskies barking at the beginning of the movie. Beautiful huskies. By the time Evan gets there with Billy, there's nothing but blood stains on the ground. So this entire. Um, and they're pack of, fresh. Yeah, this entire pack of sled dogs has been slaughtered somehow. They're just gone. So it's a lot of alluding to trouble is coming. And when the sun finally sets, you can see the pack of vampires kind of move in on the town. And the vampires are interesting characters because they're not... They're very, I don't know, they're sort of like traditional vampires, but they're not at the same time. So they look different. They have their own language. Some of them are probably very old. Um, I'm under the impression because of the way that they're speaking, Marlo is a very old vampire. Mm. They have a look that's really kind of cool. They have almost like shark teeth. The dentures that they have, it's it's weird to hear Danny Houston try to talk because he's get he has the denture mouth where he's we can't say his s's and stuff, um, which is a little distracting if you're like me and well, you're kind yeah. of a weirdo. But then, but there is those times where it's like Marlo would uh, because he was talking in his own language. It's like it didn't really matter. Yeah, that he but was doing also that, none of them could close their mouths. No, but no. I, but at the same time, I, for as a visual. 
you didn't want them to. Like there wasn't there wasn't a need for them to because it's like you're trying to show off that they're they're vamps. However, uh, you and me both had that moment of like <laughs> flashbacks to the Key and Peele episode where yeah. it was just like it's like why are you doing that? You can close your mouth like you're fine. Like you like you ain't gonna do all that. Do you have to eat? Be such a messy eater. Yeah. Um. The yeah, it was bad, and they were covered in blood. Like just they ate. The way they ate, they were super messy about it, and it's really it was that was kind of goofy. But one of the things that stood out to me most was their behavior was more like a junkie than it was somebody who was hungry. So. In traditional vampire movies, if you think about Dracula, if you think about Interview with the Vampire, if you think in those terms, vampires feed because they have to survive, but they stop when they're full. When somebody is an addict, a junkie will just keep going until they're forced to stop, whether it's an overdose or they pass out or whatever. The vampires in this movie behave much more like junkies than they do somebody who just has an empty belly. Yeah, I had a, a, kind of like a little bit of similar, similarity um, to the vampires in Blade 2 that uh, ended up getting uh, turned and they were going after both vampires and regular humans. Uh, but they they were, again... talk about cool vampires. Yeah, yeah definitely junkies. Uh, the vampires for this movie, though, I felt was interesting because they really tried to keep the look of what Ben Temple Smith um, and you know, the guys from 30 Days a Night, what they created. Because it's like when I look back through in the book, it's spot on. I mean, like a lot of it is a uh, yeah, it like Iris. Looks like they were pretty faithful. Iris, there's a there's a, a panel. Uh, where they have like this female character, they, I don't think it's uh, noted what her name is in the in the book, but like you could see her, and it's like it looks like Iris, like it looks like she's got like the slanted eyes, but it's just um, so I think they they took that aspect and like uh, one of the other uh, kind of main vampires, uh, he, you know, had a bald head and stuff Arvin. like that. Yeah, he, like, the same thing, like, his eyes, like, they they, they made... pulled him back, and almost, yeah. like, it, that looked off, and I almost felt like you didn't need to do that, but I think they did it just to kind of keep with a look of the the comic, but... I think that was partly to keep the consistency of the comic, but I think it was also to drive home the point that they were not human, and they were very, they almost looked cat-like. In the way their faces were shaped. Except for Danny Houston. They didn't mess with his face too much. At all. It, like, they basically did the dentures, the contacts. Um, but his cohorts, for whatever reason, were their faces were manipulated a little bit more. They, they all had the same... that Just the eyes, like, pointed up. Like, they just... Like, very, like you said, cat-like. Um, like, there was the little girl in the general store uh, who could speak perfectly English and she was like, I I don't want to play with this one anymore. I want to play with you. And it's just like, but again, she had that same, that, that she, that same look that Iris had. Um, so I mean, I, I was, 
I dig on the the look of it, but it was one of those like at first when you when you see it, it kind of hits you awkward, and you're like, eh, that's a little. It uh. is it is jarring because our brains are wired to have a negative reaction to things that look human but aren't human. So that's actually a physiological thing that happens and a psychological thing that happens. It's meant to do that. That's why a lot of people have issues with dolls and clowns. It's the same part of our brain that screams warning yeah. because it's it looks human, but it's not human. It's a very striking look. And in the case of Iris especially, it was weirdly beautiful. Like there was an attractiveness to it as much as there was a danger element to it. Yeah. It's really difficult to describe. And and it was but it was just that that first kind of look of like of just all all of his cronies and things like that when they gave like good like close-ups to their face. There was a couple of them uh the the ball-headed one, what's his name again? Arvin. Arvin. Um he there was a couple of shots where they were in the I believe it was the compactor room. And, you know, where they had, like, the big uh, grinder going and, again, setting up for... Uh, it's like, we watch wrestling. We know it's set up when you see a table. Like, right. Um, but that was the thing is, like, they, they set it up and then he shows up and there's a couple of shots where they showed his face up close and it looked normal. Like, it didn't look like they altered it as much as they did early on in the movie when you see him and he's doing his, like crazy vampire you know that, close up that might be just a cgi continuity issue yeah but that was the thing is like the scene where they're in the the compactor that was like really i, I thought i i like that look of him uh more so than just the the crazy cgi-ness but again i know that that's i kind of feel like that's what they were doing was just trying to stay true to a comic and knowing every goddamn nerd out there, book nerds to comic nerds to everything else, that is always the bitching point of oh it didn't look like the book or it didn't do this and then and then when it when they do it that close to the book they're like oh they just did a shot for shot of this and it's just like. Oh my uh, god, bitch, 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 bitch. Yeah, pretty much. The the thing though is Steve Niles originally wrote this to be a movie and then it was rejected everywhere, so he said screw it, got together with Ben Templesmith and they came up with the graphic novel. I guess it was a three-part comic series and it's been bound together as a graphic novel. So it was a little mini series that they did and then 4 or 5 years after it was published, Movie studios come come around and they're saying, hey, we want to option this as a movie. And he's like, cool, I did that a while ago, but sure, let's work something out. And they managed to make it work because the comic was so successful in the early 2000s at the time. And so he managed to get this. And then the sequel, uh, was it Dead Days? Three yeah. Days of Night, Dead Days, something like that. So, but he had a hand in getting this movie done. And I think Stuart Beatty, the director, definitely wanted to keep the fingerprints of of um, Temple Smith and Niles on this film, which I think is good. You, there's a lot of things that have to be done with scripts to streamline stories. Like you can't, 
you can't always fit everything in to a script because it doesn't tr always translate well onto screen. You, you have to streamline things or you have to fill in gaps that maybe the, the story was left on the page to make a movie make sense. Um, I'm currently reading It for the first time and haven't done it, but... Um, oh, I have. Oh, you're... It's, I was, it's good. I, was, I, don't, I can't remember if either my mom didn't own it or I was just intimidated by the size of it at the time, but... One of the prime examples of that, and we'll get back to, you know, this is kind of a roundabout way of getting there, but is the Stanley Uris story. In the in both film adaptations, it just felt like he was kind of a nothing. You know, we saw we spent a lot of time with him as a kid, and then boom, he's dead when we get to meet him as an adult. Well, in the story, there's a whole lot of detail into him getting to that point that was left out of the story, but it would have dragged... Some of it would have dragged quite a lot, um, but by removing too much, you end up with feeling like it was a character that didn't mean anything, and you could have just removed him from the story entirely, even as a kid. So I think what 30 Days of Night d did a little bit more um, successfully was they did manage to streamline out some of the more inconsequential storylines. Uh, story However, the one I think that could have been an interesting one to keep in there was there was like a head vampire. It, wasn't, it was a step over Marlowe. Wasn't it like Vincent or Vicenti or something like that? I, I believe guess, so, I think yeah. his name was Vincent. And in I just read like the Cliff Notes version of the graphic novel online, um, which is stupid because we own the damn thing. But I just <laughs> did read it. It's a great one. I will, but it's just it had to do. I had to do it quick so we could record this episode. So <laughs> I had to get like little details. But I guess they they nixed that and just made Marlo the central character because adding on the part where Vincent is screaming at him because they're going to get the vampires exposed and trying to keep the vampires a secret. I just think it was an unnecessary thing to have, especially at the end of the movie where Marlo just lights the town up to hide the fact that the vampires had been there. Yeah, and um, another thing that I thought was a kind of a, a nice little twist was the, um, the the stranger. And Was he not in the novel? He was in the novel, but slightly different. Okay. Well, um, let's get into his story here after the break. Oh, yeah, sure. And we are back. The Stranger. All right. The Renfield of our story. And uh, I I was digging the way that they did, like, just the way that they took that character and they just made him very awkward and just, I was trying to place, like, where, like, he was from because it's like, it almost sounded very Southern and just that... Y'all don't know. I went, we're down from these parts. Well, I went. He just got. I, they, I brought me some moonshine and. Uh, yeah, like that, it sounded know. like they just sort of picked him up on some random trip. But I think it was he. Ben Foster did a really good job with this one because he was great. He was the stranger was such an off-putting character. We knew nothing about him. He just showed up in the town and was bothering one of the waitresses at the diner. Yeah. 
Uh, but they asking for raw hamburger meat. Well, they 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 set it up uh, first was um, and as I mentioned before, with like the beautiful shot, um, you see the ship coming uh, off of like from the sea, and it's like it, it docks and uh, like nobody it, on and it's it. frozen, and you can see this one lone man walking from the ship, and then like you can see it, like there's all these great shots of him walking through the snow and then he ends up at the edge of the town and then they do title card and then uh but it's just like don't him. steal james angenesis i love that man like he's great james if if you ever listen to this shit thank you but uh but that's the thing is he uh they they show up and they are like he's just on the edge of the town and then like a little bit later on like we get the stuff with the dogs, uh, you know, all the mishaps with the dogs, um, and then there's the other shit that's happening in the town. But then, yeah, he's at the diner giving shit to the waitress. She's mentioning that oh, we don't we don't serve alcohol anymore, or we're not serving alcohol um, because of the you know of the winter. And he's like, okay, well that's fine. Like just give me raw hamburger. And she's like, I can't do that. Like, it's, you know, going to make you sick. And he's, he's just like, you won't give me a drink. You won't give me what I want to eat. And he's just, and like, and just starts giving her like a bunch of shit. And then Eben comes in and like tries to play like, all right, buddy. Hey, let's, uh, let's go have a talk. <laughs> it's just like, and then they arrest the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. The stranger was kind of, he was a sad character ultimately because he so badly wanted to be turned into one of the vampires and they they used him more as some kind of a tool. He definitely um, ended up just being a useful idiot for them. He was so desperate for for them to accept him that he was willing to do whatever. And including get them to whatever town they needed to get to. But when Eben, Eben arrested him, he ended up locking him or taking the handcuffs and chaining him to the bars with his hands up over his head in the jail cell. Because um, uh, Helen, I, I'm guessing it's his grandmother. She had gotten killed. No, what uh, what ended up happening was that so they had the they had him in there in in the drunk tank basically, and they were uh, the power goes out and so uh, it was Stella, uh, Helen and uh, his brother Jake were playing a board game and the strangers just talking about y'all don't know what's coming. It's like you guys got a big old hurt coming your way, and like, and Jake's like, just shut up, and he throws something, or he throws a piece at him, and the and the stranger goes, oh, well, that's not real nice. It's like I could, you know, slit your throat with that, and it's just like it's a like, way to hand that to me, and so no, Jake, he said he could turn it into something to unlock the door with. Yeah, and so Jake like runs over to like grab the piece, and then the oh, that's the right. stranger like grabs him by the neck. Um, and then that's when he uh, he gets shot in the ribs um, by Eben, and then that's when they they handcuff him. Right, to they the, tied him up. Yeah. one of the he's just left there while the carnage is starting to happen outside, 
and he's he's abandoned in the junk tank for a little while. Eventually, Marlo does get to him, and he's crying and he's begging for them to take him with. And Marlo basically showed he didn't want him. And uh, oh no no, I'm sorry, I got ahead of it. It was when they came in to kill. They ended up killing Helen. Jake was on the run, and then they left the stranger there. Um, still tied up in the jail cell and Eben finally comes back and he's pushing the stranger around trying to get more information out of him but all the stranger could do was cry and say they didn't want me please kill me they didn't want me so that desperation ran so deep to become one of the the vampires that it was either that or death. He was already like half turned and half yeah. crazy because of and the whatever they did to him prior to that. But it, ultimately, Eben didn't have to kill him. He just left him in the jail cell. Marlo comes back around. And while the stranger is begging to be turned, um, Marlo kind of finally takes pity on the poor pathetic creature and he ends up killing him in the jail cell. I think yeah. he breaks his neck. Yeah, and um, in the comic, though, Eben kills him pretty early. Like, uh, he's doing his stranger talk. Like, it's the the. Uh, it's funny, like, when I read, read the little segments of the stranger in, in the book, like, I had the, the stranger movie voice in my head. Like, it's just, it's a really cool little... No, it was really a yeah. really good adaptation of that character onto the screen. He was definitely creepy. It just, he was sad. He was very much a pathetic, sad character. Like, you you couldn't help but feel sorry for him. He was like a skinny little dog that was just begging for a bone. Yeah. It was, uh, but I like that they, the, the transition for that character. And again, adding him into giving him a little bit more depth than what was in the book. I mean, the book, it was, again, really good what they used for him. But, but I like having that as, aspect of it where it was just that they didn't want me. Like, I, I, like what, what, what more? Do, it's like I have nothing else left. Like, just please, just end my life. Like, I don't want, like, if they don't want me, I can't live anymore. Yeah. And I was like, that it's, sucks. It's sad. I just, oh, God, poor baby. The vampires, though, when you're watching the chaos unfold, they have a really, they're very fast, but they also make these spastic sort of jerky movements when they're running around. That was one of the other things that I kind of noticed about them was the way that they moved. In most, in most vampire adaptations, they're portrayed as being relatively graceful. These are definitely more like something out of a Slipknot video with the way the motions are so, like, yep. jerky and all over the place. And I'm glad you said that because I, I said the same thing when I first saw the movie. I was just like, oh, like, it felt like I was watching, like, it was, a uh, if you ever uh, watch uh, Vermilion. Yeah, there, that's what like, I was thinking okay, of. Cool, it was something yeah. along those lines. But that was, because like, they, they do that where it's just, like, real quick, like, oh, like, you know, like, the heads are moving and stuff like that. Yeah, or something out of a tool video. Same kind of idea. Yeah. They're not sexy vampires at all. They're actually meant to be quite scary. You should not, like I said, I mentioned that there's something attractive about them, but these are not your Anne Rice vampires. These are not your Stephanie Meyer vampires. These are 
deadly creatures of the night. Yeah. However, the only there's two weaknesses they did end up discovering. Um, the first one was suggested by Stella because she was just going off of the Dracula or the the movie vampire lore where they could be hurt by sunlight and she kind of just went well they're here during a full dark month and they can just run amok without any issue so maybe the sunlight hurts them and then the other thing was much like a zombie you have to take the head so if you remove the head you kill the vampire and we see a few different versions of that um uh, play out throughout the movie uh but other than that, they're really tough to take down. Like, you have to get close enough to take the head off. And even then, the UV light doesn't necessarily kill them right away. It takes a minute. It, we see that with Iris when they hit yeah. him with the the terrarium light for the Helen's grow, marijuana grow house in her closet. Yeah. <laughs> that feisty old bitch. She, uh, she, she was growing marijuana. It's legal. I mean, not at the time. <laughs> And definitely not in Alaska. But they hit, uh, Eben hits Iris with the UV light and she gets really hurt. But she's only half burned and Marlo ended up having to kill her. Because the poor thing was in so much pain he just had to put her out of her misery. Yeah, she was like... Writhing around, partly just like just charred, and it was just the she looked like a like a burnt end, like it was just the, it was really sad. Yeah, yeah, and but I thought it was it was it, it was funny to see just that dynamic between Iris and Marlo because she was it. Everyone knew that, like, okay, Marlo was the guy. Like, he was the right. pack leader. And so they all acted as almost like children. And, like, Iris, like, because there was a... Uh, so uh, Eben goes into Helen's house to get the, the lamp. And, they like, he's making all this noise, trying to get them to go to him. Well, yeah, because the rest of the group's off trying to make it to the grand, uh, and general store. So she goes, like, she starts to run off to get Evan, and then she stops, and she looks back at Marla, and she's like, can I go? Can I go? Can I please have some, like, please let me go, please let me go, please let me go. And then, like, and then like you can just see where Marla gives, like, a, a little, like, gesture, and she's like, yes! And, like, she, like, runs think, off, but it was just that. I think it was partly that and partly because either... She was his Marlo's favorite, or she was his partner. the The Marlo Iris relationship is supposed to be um, the flip side of the Eben Stella relationship. Eben and Stella are estranged spouses. They've separated. They've been separated for a while, from what it seems like at the beginning of this movie, and this tragedy is bringing them closer together. It's kind of fixing the bond that broke them or that broke. And then you have Iris and Marlo, which are, I don't even want to call them part. I don't know if it partners is the right word. Cause they're more like animals. So maybe it's like a pair bond. Maybe, I don't know, but whatever they have a, they have a relationship together and they have a pretty, their relationship is a pretty well oiled machine. They, they know there's the one person in charge. There's, the one that's a little bit more of the subordinate than, but they are a unit. Um, it's kind of like the wolf pack of the alpha yeah. male and the alpha female. So that works out really, really well. Um, 
you also have when Iris has to die, um, Marlo has to kill her. Whereas on the flip side of that, at the end of the movie, when Eben has to die and Stella has to be the one to hold him through that, it it was a really interesting mirror to see those two relationships play out and the dynamics of both of those pairs throughout the movie. Because you have one that works so well and then you have another one that's broken, but they still operate well together. Um, I'm under the impression that Eben and Stella might have split up because she wanted kids. He didn't want kids. They mentioned that in the movie yep. towards the beginning. Um, when the chaos first started, I think I think Stella had said something like, can you imagine having kids in this? It's probably a good good reason. You know, it's a good idea we didn't have any or you didn't want any. I think that's probably was the wedge that separated yeah. them. Well, it was they set it up uh, early on where uh, Stella is just she's gonna bounce like she's like i'm taking that, that well she was already up. technically gone she was just working for the fire marshal in the state yeah and she was going around doing her last inspections before the the sun went down and she ended up stranded there because billy just didn't get her to the airport in time <laughs> yeah and uh but it was this they they set it up where Clearly, she was done with whatever the relationship was, but she didn't want to talk to Eben about it. And oh, no, she was totally avoiding And him. you could tell Eben was like, all right, fine. Like, I guess, I guess we won't talk. Like, you know, that, that's fine. Like, you you do you. Like, you, like I'll, I'll sit and honest, here and I'll live my life. You they, do whatever you want to do. They, there was at no point in this movie, though, they, they had that necessary conversation. They kind of were just forced back together. Um, no matter how temporary it was, it, and it was, it, they had to, they were basically forced to spend an entire month trapped together, most of which was spent in an attic with other people, including a man with Alzheimer's, which, yeah, which oh, holy that's shit. so sad. But no, but that, but that was the thing was with, with Stella and Eben, I almost felt like Eben really wanted the relationship to stay there. It was just the whole thing of, like, I'm assuming it's, like, as you said before, it's like, you know, having kids. And it's like... That's something you talk about before you get married. There's a good chance, though, that they got married super, super duper young and her mind changed and his didn't. That shit happens, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the their, the relationship dynamic was an interesting one. However, they Eben and Stella did work together really well, because whenever Eben was going to go out on a mission to go get supplies or do something else, Stella, she didn't want him to go alone. And I th- and one of the things I noticed that w- was particularly interesting was that Eben never tried to be the hero in this movie. Like, he was willing to be the... T- he was the leader, but he was also willing to be the team player. And when Stella stepped up and said, I'm going to go with you or I'm going to help you, he said okay, let's go, instead of saying, no, you stay here, you're the woman, you know, stay behind and take care of the rest of the group or the, keep an eye on the rest yeah. of the group. He, They were equals. They were partners. Yeah, and that, that's the only other thing that I was like, I was, I was half expecting him to go, no, I need you here because you're the stronger of all these other, you know, no-name jabronis. Uh, and that's where it's like, 
I could I could have seen that where it's like no you got to stay and then but at the same time I also love that they were just like nope okay cool like you're coming with me and he and- didn't make a big deal about it too which a lot of male characters in movies like this usually are you have to drag him along kicking and screaming when the woman steps up and and says no I'm gonna come with you I'm a big girl let me come usually they're like. Ugh fine like it's a painful acquiesce instead of just saying like doing what Eben did where he's like all right cool let's let's think of a plan you drive kind of thing and she did she did most of the driving in the movie too so I liked the pairing of the two of them I'm not a hundred percent sure of Josh Hartnett and Melissa George having an amazing romantic chemistry together I don't think they nailed that quite as well but I do think they nailed the that partnership, like a working partnership, really, really well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I, I felt like in different terms, we could have really seen that um, that relationship like flurry out. But I mean, having murderous vampires running around your town and you're stuck in an attic you don't really have that option it's a bit of a wet blanket on the romance but they definitely built it up to where stella you could tell where she's like i made a mistake and she's like i'm 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 with i'm with you not you know and by the end of the movie it's that's stamped like she's she is his girl and she all the way up until the end, was there to support him to be his partner. And all the way up until Eben dies at the end, she's ho- she's holding him in her arms as he's burning to ash in, in, as the sun's coming up. It was an incredible thing to see, and you could kind of... I really liked how that scene was played, and I think we'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute, but the pain... Like, I think that's one of the things that Melissa George did really well in this movie. She acted really well with her face. Mm-hmm. She, it wasn't over the top. She very subtly conveyed pain and fear and just the amount of courage it would take to stand by a guy who is literally running in, into danger. Like, he's not running from it. He's running into it. Um, and her just being supportive of it and willing to go into that hail of bullets. When people say ride or die, this is the shit they're talking about, not what drug dealers do. Yeah. (laughs) That's the big difference. And this was definitely a really good example of that relationship. It it functioned really well. Um, So I really liked that. The, the Billy thing was interesting because we lost track of him for most of the movie until the third act. Yeah, when... we get, yeah, it's like we get like right after the first act when all the power starts going out and he just disappears. Yeah, it's like we don't we don't really get it. Like, but then all of a sudden all the chaos starts happening, and then yeah, we we lose lose sight of him. But like his story is fucking crazy as shit. And the only reason why they find him again is because they they made it back to the police station and they're looking out the window and they see somebody signaling with a flashlight through a second floor window in one of the houses. And Eben and Stella are like, okay, well, someone's clearly alive. And so they head on over to see what's going on. And that's when they find Billy in an, up, in, in an upstairs bedroom. He's a mess. 
He's let, let's talk about what what happened he there. He so. is disheveled. He is very sad. He's frantic. Um, he's barely even lucid. Like he's kind of that rambly, dead-eyed kind yeah. of th- and state. I I would be surprised if he wasn't that way because what he did is like on this whole level of oh, holy shit. You remember the end of the mist? Yes, yeah, it was exactly and that, that. And that I I totally got that vibe because Billy he could like all the vampires are going around slaughtering everybody and he couldn't handle that and he didn't want to put his family like he had a wife and daughter and he decided that he want like they, he didn't want them to go through that so he shot him and then put their bodies in the bed and then covered it with a sheet and then he tried to take his own life and the gun jams so he's stuck like this is like this must have been like early on during the chaos and I mean you could fix a jammed gun no but I don't he's know what he was doing. but he's stuck in this house with his dead family by himself mm-hmm. and I'm like and, and and all he wants to do is just end his life I was like dude it's like if that was the case like you're in in your house you could there's other ways to kill yourself he could have just walked like, outside yeah it's like just fucking take just take me like it's if that if that was the case but um but yeah it was really nuts because when Eben and, and Stella go over there you know they're they are you know good like family friends to these yeah, these two they're very close and Eben like he pulls the sheep back and they're like they're just sh- in in horror and we don't even see what's underneath the sheet we just were told that there's bodies under there. Yeah, we don't get to see it. Which we see I, a little bit of the we see a little bit of the blood stain on uh, where like the head is. So it's like you got the idea that okay, well, you know, shot in the head. But. I'm okay. I think this is one of those instances where the less is more. Tact worked. You don't need to see a dead little girl and a dead woman lying on the bed in their whatever level of decomposition they're in because who knows when he did it he could have done it the day before he could have done it two weeks before like you just don't know and this is getting close to the end of that month too when they discover this and i mean i give eben and stella credit for trying to i guess save billy or at least save him from dying but it was just such. There's no coming back from that. There's no rehabilitating Billy from the fact that he had to kill the loves of his life. Life to, to thinking that this is this is it. This is the end of the world. And it wasn't. It was a very crazy, dramatic thing for him to do. He didn't survive the movie either. So I guess no. he got what he wanted. Oh, oh, we're gonna talk about that. But that was the thing. Was that whole scene with the setup for Billy and just they that it was as you mentioned where it's like where you have like the Marlowe and Iris dynamic compared to the Eben and Stella this like it was more of like Eben like he says like you have a family it's like you have a girl like you have someone like like you you are responsible for them and it's like you like you are the father and it's just like so everything that granted it's like he probably had problems with 
like he is now like throwing it into Billy's face because of what he did. And it was just that it was that dynamic of like, okay, I know that it's like I would never do that. And it's like whatever fears I had, um, you know, as a, you know, like a a future father or whatever. It's like er every father has that shit. But it's like once you get into it, it's like, you know, it it never gets any easier. But at the same time, you you fucking learn shit. You figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and and, and again, Evan seems like a really well-rounded, you know, man for that that area. So it's like you're going to learn how to – you. You know kids, and you know that, you know, what they're going to, like, grow up to be, and it's like, they're, they're going to go hunting, they're going to go fishing, they're going to go drinking, they're going to go do all this shit, because they're in fucking Alaska, and it's just up in the fucking sure. nowhere. but if you, if you prefer to center your life around yourself, then bringing children into that is not the best idea, because it's very difficult to let go of your own life in order to take care of somebody else's. And if you're not willing to do that, then by yeah, the best course of action is to just don't have children. Um, there's nothing wrong with wanting to live a selfish kind of life. It's just, you don't go bringing other people into it. Um, yeah, the Billy thing was super sad. And the, I actually, right before they found him again, I kind of was like, hang on a second. Did he leave? Like I had, he finally clicked back in my head that, we hadn't seen him in a while, but they were dragging him around and they finally got to the combine or the, whatever the factory. I'm still not a hundred percent sure what that building was for. It's, it was like a, a, a it was a waste. Uh, was it a, a, a waste processing plant? Yeah, it was, it was a processing plant like where they would like you, they would like, uh, like break down like metals and, oh, okay. um, like so it wasn't like a, a fabricating part but it was like they were just a way i would call them waste management because like at the beginning when uh when carter uh brings in they're just like we have we got a problem it's like you know we're seeing like animal parts and shit in our in our systems and it's like like we we've never seen that yeah, it's why? like it, it's not it's not kids playing a prank or any of that like that's it's something something different yeah and that that's the setup and then that when they get the call about the dogs and all the dogs are slaughtered and then uh the power goes out and everything is it so uh Eben goes out to the main like power station and he, he I think is uh, the guy's name is Gus I believe is yeah, what it was Gus. And so he walks out there and he's like, he's like calling for Gus. And then he looks down and he sees like this massive pile of blood and he just sees it smeared. And then the camera pans up and you see the head on a pike. And I was like, holy shit, like that's so good. But and like Eben like just freaks the fuck out. And then that's when he goes back to the, uh, the police station and he goes to the stranger and he's like, what did you mean that they're coming? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, that, after he sees what, what happened to Gus. Yeah. The movie ends up at the processing plant and that's where we end up losing Billy. He gets into a fight with, I think it was with Arvin. Yep. Arvin broke in and they're having a fight right next to the little turbine, um, where they do 
they they break up the, the garbage. Yeah, it's like it's the, the it's the rotating metal wheel, and it's like like if you ever watch those videos on like YouTube or like Facebook where it's like it's just like how satisfying this is, and they're just throwing like random shit. Like there's a cell phone, here's it's, a bunch of plastic. It's here's... just basically a giant grinder. Yeah, but they end up getting into a fist fight and. I guess Arvin bit him. Yeah. But Billy ended up chucking Arvin into the grinder, but Arvin like pulled Billy's arm down with it, so it ended up severing Billy's arm. It just ripped it right off. Um and he's screaming in agony and you can see that he's going vampy and Well, that was one thing too that I noticed that was like when somebody did get bitten, they turned quick. Like it was very fast. I mean, it, like, there depending on how they did, but for the most part, they seemed to stay themselves at least for a little while. You saw that with Carter; like, yeah. he managed to be himself for a couple of days. I think it it's probably like a first feed thing that finishes well, the transition. Carter was only scratched, and that was something. That was like okay, well, it's got like the zombie thing. Even if they were scr- like. Because the 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 little girl scratched his face and that was it. He wasn't bitten. He wasn't anything else. Yeah, it was it, just... I mean, it didn't matter because it was the same thing with. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. It was a real minor, like almost a tertiary character. His wife had gotten pulled under the build. The one who got his wife pulled under the building. I think he got like either bitten or scratched, and he had gone vampy. But I think the transition isn't complete until you drop until you take your first drink. Like, I think it's one of those that sits, you're partially transitioned for however long it takes. And then once you take that first bite of a human, that's when the full vamp transition is complete and you turn into one of the junkie vampires. Um, at least that's all, like, that's what I could deduce from the information given because the vampire group, Marlo's group, was so far gone as to barely be human. And the humans that were bit or scratched by Marlo's, someone in Marlo's group, they managed to maintain being human-ish for a while. Like, even the little girl, um, she was still speaking English, and she was still behaving like a little girl. She just happened to be incredibly bloodthirsty about it. Um, But, yeah, Carter was sad because he was... I mean, he was a very likable character, but essentially he revealed himself to Eben and said, um, essentially he didn't want to live this way. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were like, oh, well, we got, we had seven people that we have to get from here to the, to the, um, the compactor. And he was just like, no, it's going to be, it's going to be six and a very, very touching moment. And, and he, he basically asked and Eben had to execute him. It was a total off screen thing though. He uh, Evan takes Carter into another room. Um, you hear the gunshot, and then Evan comes out, but you never, you don't see any of it. But it, it's kind of a kick in the gut because he was such a likable character, and he was someone that, despite not having a ton of background on, you did get to know and you did get to feel for, um, which is really difficult for a secondary character. I'm not gonna lie. So they. That was another kind of a well-done moment in this movie, was being able to do that. And even Billy, like, we lost him for a huge swath of the movie, but even when Billy died, it was like, ugh, really? 
Yeah, there was there was times when I felt like they the characters that they pulled out and gave them a story like it, it helped uh, quite a bit. Like so with like Carter and Billy and hell even Bo. Like Bo was another big one where it was like you could have just had it just had him be just the hobo or you know the, the you know the guy that just lived on the outskirts and that was about it. And then he could have just nothing. Like he could have, that that could have been it for for whatever uh you know Evan did, but then they brought him in and made him a major character and yeah. uh, the actor, I forget his name. It was Mark uh, Boone Jr. Mark, yeah. I, I mean, he's in all types of shit and it was hilarious. We just watched <laughs> Halloween H2, um, Rob Zombie's Halloween and he is one of the, the rednecks that's beating the shit out of Michael Myers and then... Gets slaughtered by Michael yeah. Myers. Uh, but that was a... And I mean, he's also in, uh, you know... Uh, uh, I believe it's uh, Batman Begins, and he, uh, like, I mean, he's in, like, so he much shit. He was Bullock. He was Bullock, and he was, um... If I remember that right. Uh, he was also in, uh, like, Sons of the Anarchy and stuff like that. So, I mean, he's he's always great for those type of roles. And for him to play for Bo, it was one of those, like, that's just an easy, you know, yeah, home he, run. Like, he's playing a grumpy bastard. Yeah, and, and but he's doing it extremely well. But the thing with Bo, I thought was really cool was how he turned out. He's like, oh, like just that kind of that loner man, and then turned around and goes, "Nope, okay, it, this, it's my turn. It's my turn to do something." And he ends up going out in like one of the most badass ways. Oh, it's an absolute like, blaze of glory. <laughs> like he's just like he, he goes, blew blew. <laughs> he. All right, so in the beginning of the movie, they show this big ass contraption. It's a uh, this giant like chainsaw like vehicle. So it's it like if you take like a track like or, or just a regular tractor, and then add a giant chainsaw to it. Like that's just the way that it was. Just, it was probably. For the loggers, it was probably part of yeah, the logging equipment. But no, but it was just like, but they, it was a thing where they could, you know, run it through like, like it was no problem. Like it was just a regular, uh, you know, bulldozer or whatever. And, but it was just hilarious because like he gets in it and he's just like, ah, oh, just screaming. You got you know, all the vampires that are like running after and he's just mowing them down. I was like, that is so Yeah. Badass. And then when he finally gets, he finally makes it to a place where he corners a couple of them and he's lights an entire box of road flares up and it blows up the building he sacrificed himself to try to take down as many vampires as he could so that evan and stella could get the rest of the group to safety and again it's character you don't get to know all that well but you get to know him enough that you feel a connection with him and when he dies it's you cheer i mean i did a little bit where i was like oh my god he was he literally went down in a blaze of glory. Who does that? <laughs> it was yeah. kind of a cool moment for for what happened. Um, but it's it's he's also one of those characters where it's like you didn't want him to go. No, not really. He was pretty enjoyable for the most part. Oh, some of the characters were. Some of the characters weren't. Um, some of them, the ones that ended up dying, uh, you were kind of like. Eh. Yeah, there there were some that were like, oh, you were like. 
Survivor A. Oh, and you're Survivor Two, and you're Survivor. Like it's like you did. It's like I the, for the most part, I have no clue what their names were. Like at, at one point, because like they're up in the attic, and it's like you figure that you would have kind of like a kind of like The Walking Dead, where it's like okay, well I know. These are my main characters, and I know what their names are going to be. It's like, okay, well, there's Daryl, and there's Rick, and, you know, it's like, there's all these guys, but it's like, for this group that's in the small attic, I don't fucking know anybody. It's like, I know maybe two two out of the three. Right. Everybody else, it's like, it's just phase one, phase two, phase three. And, yeah. Old man. There's always (laughs) going to be, there's in a survival movie where you have groups like that, there's always going to be some that are strictly there to pad the body count. That's really the only purpose that they serve. And we did get some of that because the group started out, I think, with like 10, and then it was whittled down to just like three or four, I think, by the end of it. And the end of the movie, Eben is, he's done. He's finally had enough. It's it's day 29 of 30. The next day, the sun is going to come up, but... Marlo was going to blow up the town. Like he literally, he and his crew ripped holes into oil pipes, let the petrol out and were lighting the town on fire to burn the evidence that vampires were ever there. So that way, when the rest of the town comes back, they just think they're, they missed a freak accident. There was an explosion from one of the oil tankers or something. And Eben was very because Stella was out there she was hiding under a car and she was about to freeze to death but Evan ran out was going to run out and save her and the only way he knew to do that was to make himself a vampire so he literally grabbed a needle sucked up some of Billy's blood I don't remember where did he find the hypodermic do you remember was it a first aid kit or something I think it's in a first aid kit yeah weird place for that but he he managed to suck up some of Billy's blood and he injected it into his own body. And then a few minutes later, he became super soldier. Yeah. Super soldier version of Eben. And he could actually take on Marlo and like in a fist fight and get physical with him. Um, and he got his ass handed to him. Like Marlo just being so much older and so much stronger and so much more wily when it comes to that sort of thing, that just just surviving and fighting, there was no way that Evan was going to be able to keep up, at least in the beginning. Um, yeah, that was he. He got his ass handed. Yeah, but and, and that was another thing too is that they didn't give in the whole uh, like in the comic where you could just feel like he was definitely like salty and just re- like willing that willingness to just do what he needs to do and be that, like, super badass. Um, and then turn around where it's, like, with Eben in the movie where he's just, you know, Mr. By the Book and I'm going to do that. He never really... They didn't set up anything for I'm about to be a badass. And... It wasn't, but he was definitely set up to be the guy who was the protector and was willing to do whatever it took to make sure that the people in his care were being taken care yes, of. Yes, that willingness was definitely there, and he went and did the ultimate sacrifice by turning himself, but that was another thing. It was like, it was... I mean, he he 
punched through Marlowe's skull. Yeah. Like, like, he ripped his brains out. Yeah, like, he he did some massive work on that. On and he Marlo. sent them all running. Once Marlowe was down, that's it. The, the the leader was gone. The drone, the drones and the worker bees had to go off on their own and find a new hive. Um, it also didn't help that they probably felt sunrise coming. So they needed to beat it before they burnt up. Yeah. Um, and they had to, like, run back to the ship. Um, and it's like, depending on Toot sweet. Yeah. And it's like, so they had to travel back in this open, there's like this open area, unless they like went under like and buried themselves under the snow. Um, yeah, but that's not a great idea either. Considering that even in Alaska, the snow will melt at least a little bit. So it, it wasn't, wouldn't be the best idea. It, it was just the saddest part of it was just it was the last day and that's probably the most senseless part of the whole thing is that there was no reason he couldn't wait it out if it wasn't for marlo actually smoking everybody out and stella being in danger they probably could have rode out that last day no problem and it was just a few hours he had to turn himself into a vampire and earlier in the movie he Evan and Stella had a discussion about you know when this is all over they're gonna sit and watch the sunrise together and then they did they're on a cliff watching a sunrise and they're having their what is their final conversation and it's actually really touching and it's really sad to see what happens where Stella's got her arms wrapped around Evan and He's crying out in pain and he's bur- starting to burn up and you see bits of him start to flake away. And even after the cries are quieted and he's not moving anymore and you're pretty sure he's dead, dead. Like Stella doesn't want to let him go. She doesn't let him go. She's kind of just like staring off into uh, off into the horizon and that's where our movie ends and it's touching and it's sad and it's not a hopeful ending at all. It's not necessarily like night of the living dead bleak or anything like that, but it's not one that makes you feel good when it's over. Yeah. It's, it's a very powerful ending and I like the, the way that she, she delivered that for sure. Especially like that final shot of her just staring off at the sun like that, you know, and then you could see just Evan, like, ch- charred Evan, like, just floating. I was like, that she, was really, Stella really cool. also looked, she also, she looked sad, but she also looked angry about it. Yeah. Because she knew it was a waste. It was, it was, it was shock, anger, and just, it's almost like, I, I, I can't believe that this is happening. Yeah. And. She, they, it seemed like she finally was getting hope that they were going to come back together again and I'm wondering if there wasn't a part of her that was angry at Eben for going that far and injecting himself with a vampire blood like maybe that wasn't necessarily a, a gotta do on the list of things to do but I don't know I guess after a month of dealing with that I'd be fed up too I just don't know if I'd be willing to inject myself with vampire blood to get the job done especially when you know like what you can do with a UV lamp and an axe. It seems like it does. It just seems unnecessary. Um, it, it doesn't, 
I don't know. But one of the things I think this movie did really well is it did do a, a really good job of, of setting up the, the tone for each scene. It also did a pretty good job of some suspense building in some places. I look at like the general store as being one of those I think was done really well where you're kind of holding your breath for the next thing to happen. Um, and there was some gore in this movie. A lot of gore. There was. This is post-Saw. We're a few, year, few years after Saw 1. This is peak. It's not that bad. This is peak splatter porn times. It's 2007. But it, it's just enough to convey that this is very clearly a vampire movie. And this is very clearly very bloody. Yeah. But a lot of the deaths were done off, scene, off screen. Or we really just saw the aftermath of whatever it was because you saw a ton of blood stains in the snow. And that was more evocative than watching someone's head get ripped off. Yeah. Was just seeing there was a really cool aerial shot at the beginning of the massacre uh, towards the beginning of the movie. And there's just splatters of blood stains all over the street and the snow. And you hear the screaming of the people that were left in the town fire and And it carnage all over the place. It was. And there was something apocalyptic and really eerie about just that, that overhead. It was like a crane or a helicopter shot kind of thing. It was just that full bird's eye view of the town. That was like, Ooh, we are in the shit now. Yeah. And that's where it's like when you think back to, okay, it's like, well, it's like, oh, day 17 and they're still up in the attic. It's like, no, it's like they're up in the attic, but it's like that carnage is still out there. And you yeah. get, and they could hear people sc- still screaming and things like that. So the vampires are still going out and they're finding people and they're still... Yeah. Most of the damage was done at the onset, but the people they managed to sniff out... They definitely were having having a bad time. Yeah. So what what are you giving as a skull rating for this guy? Um for this one I ended up giving it it was a three point two. Okay. Um this one it was I absolutely it again it's like this is a, a fantastic um, you know movie for me, but I mean I'm a big fan of the comic and um, you know I thought they did a it was a pretty good transition from book to movie. So I mean I wasn't I'm not one of those snobs where it's like oh they didn't do this or they didn't do that. It's like it wasn't perfect. I yeah. I try to take it where and this goes for everything that I've seen where they do a, a booked movie. Um, adaptation where it's like you have to separate it it's like this is its own thing i mean i i did the same thing with harry potter i n- never read the books and like i watched all the movies and then read all the books and it's like okay well i can understand where they did this different or whatever but it's like for all those people they're like oh they read all the books and then saw the movie they're like they're super pissed because so much was taken out of it and it's like so i try not to take that that mindset um but for this movie it's like i mean i gave it 3.2 just because it's very enjoyable however there are things about it that are it's very forgettable and it's just like like some of the the characters that are up in the attic it's like face one face two don't give a shit moving on and 
but then, like, when you get to, like, in same thing with, like, the vampires, it's like you get your, like, three of them that you see quite a bit, but then there's other ones that are just in the background. They're just there. Um, I love the threat and I love the story. Uh, it's such a cool concept. And it's one of those things where it's like, if Marlo was so old, did he just come up with this idea? Or did someone go, hey, by the way, this place doesn't get sunlight for 30 days. And it's like, why is it I'm, now that this is happening now, the first time? Or I'm, like, sure, I'm sure he's been to other towns where it was exactly the same thing. Yeah, I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it was just, for this story, it's like, there was no... Uh, you know, like, oh, we've done this before, or, like, this has happened, you it know. It seems more random. Yeah. It was just like, oh, like, you know, we just happened to travel to this spot, and, and there it is. Uh, the one thing that I kind of felt a little uh, beside myself on was was Marlo. How do you mean? Um, so, go, this is just, this is the only time that I'm, a, uh, well, that I had a feeling that was different from book to, to movie, uh, well, the actor's name is Danny Houston. Danny, he's fantastic. Striker, striker. Like I mean, he's at every government officer. Like he's great. I like he he was fantastic as Marlowe. However, having him do the the language, the the vamp language. And not having, like, a subtitle or anything where you just have to be like, okay, well, he's saying some important shit, and they understand him, but... And it's like, okay, I get that, where he's, he's ancient and he's old, and, and there it is. However, in the comic, because they can't do that, where they just write in, you know, without having some type of context, Marlowe sp- speaks full-blown English, and he's barking orders and doing all this stuff so i found it very interesting that they went with that where he never speaks a leak a lick of english and you know it's like but in the book he does and it's like why why wouldn't you why wouldn't you because he's got a a a fantastic voice and all it is is just you're it's just english it, he didn't really have that many lines when it, when he did speak. And it's like, I feel like it would have still just been just that much more impactful. You could have still done the vampire language and then, like, you know, he's barking, you know, stuff at his own language and then turn around and barking stuff in English to the people that were maybe more recently turned or, or what have you. But that was the thing. That was the only thing I was like, kind of like, eh. Like a little, little beside myself on that one, just because I didn't know how to really feel. Because I liked it, because I understood it, but at the same time, it, from this, you know, from the comic context, they did it a different way, and it was like, uh, other than that, kills, fucking awesome, great, and I'll let you do your skull rating, and then I want to get into if you had any like favorite kills or any favorite scenes, because I definitely had one that I want to talk about. Okay. Before we before we uh, wrap this whole shindig up, um, skull rating, my dear. I gave this one a four point three. Nice. I like yeah. that. I it like ranks that. pretty high. I do like. I, I am a big fan of a good vampire movie. Um, 
a good vampire movie. I've seen some real garbage vampire <laughs> movies too. But this one got me. There was a good mix of emotion in with the the horror. There was a just enough blood. There was just enough. It gets a bit dull in the middle because we are spending a ton of time in an attic but they're at least trying to keep the tension up with the tension between the people who've been cooped up for two weeks um the only kind of low thing for me was kind of the overall special effects the makeup and stuff was kind of neat um but where they did end up using cgi you can really tell it's not i almost feel it's like you didn't need it like it was yeah, like yeah, it was a little bit. I I guess if you needed to smooth some things out or or make something else work, I don't know. And th- and that's where I felt like for me, it's like my special effects. I took my my skull rating down a little bit because it's like it was one of those things. It's like yeah, it was good, but it's like it wasn't needed because you could have just done practical effects. Yeah, and it would have been completely fine. Yeah, that was that was the thing that really that that was the only thing that really dragged the the points down for me the the kills were kind of the kills were pretty cool um the acting was great like i don't have a single complaint about any of the actors in this movie the script was pretty well put together um like i said they really utilized the the chekhov's gun trick in this um really really well literally every single detail meant something there was nothing that was used that wasn't important in some way or at least useful in some way um there wasn't any wasted energy at all um even even for your little characters like carter they set him up where he's they show his family and stuff like that and i guess like his family uh died in a car accident and he brings that up later he's like you know my family like you know as he's going to vamp he's like they died and it's like i'm I'm ready to go meet them on the other side and he's just like so but they set it up where he's a family man and he's doing all this, this stuff and then it turns out oh his family's dead he's told them that they they didn't want to live in in alaska so they're they, he everyone thinks that they're off living somewhere else and they, it turns out no they're all dead and yeah. he and he brings that and back up live, it's and he like, had to live with that secret for yeah. however many years but yeah there's no wasted energy um there were no there was no point in this movie where i was going what are we even doing here there were no questions as to um the character's motives there was no questions for me on where the story was going i wasn't wondering why one scene was there and another scene instead like it it was a really well thought out, well paced movie. Um, despite it getting just a little draggy in the middle, that's kind of my one complaint on the the script is it just get drags just a little bit in the middle because we do spend entirely too much time in a fucking attic, an attic. But it, overall, this is a super enjoyable movie. Um, this is definitely one that I have no issues watching again at some point. I don't think it's something I would put into regular rotation, but if it just randomly came up or if you wanted to watch it or something, I would definitely be down to watch it again any other time. And we already talked about my favorite scene. My favorite scene is literally the end of the movie with Stella and Evan before he burns up. So 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 that was mine. Yeah, so my favorite scene is Billy's death. Mm-hmm. 
And be, just because the the whole setup with the the big you know m- you know meat grinder uh, and just the you know the big vampire fight and he just starts he ends up getting his you know his arm caught and just the whole that whole gimmick and the thing that that I love though is that whole setup where you know so you got the vampire fight and then you got the meat grinder Billy gets caught into it and he's just like screaming. But then all of a sudden you, he turns vamp and in the middle, like right in the middle of a scream, Eben just takes an axe. And the one time they really show like an on screen kill, Billy takes an axe right to like the neck. And it's so gruesome. And it's just it's and it doesn't even go through all the way. It gets stuck, and then Evan takes it back out, and then goes for a second whack. And it's it's not a dignified death, not even a little. No, but it's one of those like Billy was in pain, ask like begging for an out, and then turning into a vampire at the same exact time. So it was like a double whammy where it's like he wasn't gonna die, but he was like, I'm gonna. Like I, 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 I can you know I'm I'm gonna come come after you, and then Eben just almost like in a mercy killing, but he was also mad at Billy for what he did to his family, and so I felt like Eben at this point you could tell like all of like the shits have just gone out the door, like mm-hmm. he just doesn't care at this point, or it's like that whole thing of like. It's almost like that that hunter mentality where it's like, no, I'm just gonna I'm gonna kill because and I'm okay with killing, and it's it's like I've done enough of it, so it's like I'm I'm gonna be good. But it, the whole thing of just getting everyone to survive and then also to not really drawing more attention than what they really need to, even though that there's probably already vampires coming yeah, that at way. The point, but at the point of Billy's death, death though, you're. Forget it. Yeah. It's, it, there's no point at that. It. Everyone knows. It's like the vampires are yeah. aware because you just killed. You just killed Marlo second. Yeah. But seeing that axe, just getting like right to his neck it was yeah. so damn cool, and I, I, that was a really cool effect. And I mean, even like the uh, the dummy that they you know the special like the, and it was again. A whole like physical. It was pra- I think it was, pra- pra- it was mostly it was, practical. It was all pra- it was most pretty much pra- all practical. So I was like, that was really really neat. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's thirty days a night for shizzle. Yeah, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So join us next week as we do Dead Snow. <laughs> yeah, vol. I have never seen this movie, but apparently it's zombie Nazis in the snow. I. Started to watch this movie, and then I think my power went out because it, it was cold. That's telling. Yeah, I was like, no, my power went out, and then I had to like fix that. And then by the time we got it back up and running, I was just like, ah, that. That, I don't, that was years ago. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it, but I never wanted, like, I never picked it up. So this is going to be a good one because I know that I've heard in. Uh, like again, zombie communities. This is a, a fun one to do. I mean, it's 
fucking zombie Nazis. And I'm, I feel like I'm going to kick myself for not picking it back up after my power went back out. But it's just like, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Nazi zombies. So join us next Tuesday for that, uh, which you will get as soon as you wake up if you subscribe. Um, like, comment, share. Any and all five-star reviews are greatly appreciated. Help us get out there and beat the algorithms. Join us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Slasher at Creepin' It Real, R-E-E-L as in Movie Real. Um, if you want to sponsor a show or if you ha- want to participate and offer up some movie suggestions, you can email us at creepinitreal.cm at gmail.com. We like being host keys and we like to have conversations. It's true. And if you, speaking of hosky, if you want to buy something from us, go to creepinitreal.redbubble.com. For, Support! For all of the merch, um, all of our designs are unique and done by Mr. Lunchbox here. So get them on a t-shirt, get them on a mug, get them on a mouse pad if you still use those things. Um, I do. Redbubble's got a little bit of everything for everybody, and I highly recommend it. Um, and they do the constant new stuff. I mean, I think they, there's like socks... They even, like, during, like, the whole pandemic, they, they did masks. Everyone did fucking masks, but it was just like, I was like, oh, yeah, creeping real masks. We don't really believe that here in this household, but, you know, to each his own. Right. So, but still, hey, go spin and support. Buy some, buy some stuff. Right. So until next week, I've been Meg. I've been Lunchbox. So until next week, do you want to build a snowman? <laughs>